Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Samantha, the yes. world is yours. <gasps> if you Thank could be you. on any, <laughs> if you could be on any Netflix show, which one are you choosing? Go. How to Get Away with Murder, even though it's not a Netflix show, but it was <laughs> on repeat on there. Is that yeah. cheating? That works. I'll, I'll take it. Jason, how about you? Netflix, tell me. Wow, you think I would know the answer since I asked you. I'm, I am I, I am going to say Sweet Magnolias just because I love it so much. <gasps> and? And because Whoa. our guest, Hunter Burke. <laughs> Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Tutsalo and Jason A. Coombs. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 30 of Survival Jobs, a podcast in collaboration with Broadway World. My name is Samantha Tutsalo. And I'm Jason A. Coombs, and we are very excited to be here with you all here on Broadway World. Jason, tell me how you're feeling. I have to acknowledge what happened in Brooklyn um, yesterday as we were recording this. The shooting, which is, of course, super, super sad and tragic, but I guess- the only good thing is that no lives were lost, I, I found out today. Um, yeah. But uh, just horrible. And I feel like it's just a sad way to have to start the podcast, right? But um, I know. But as like both of us, it. yeah, we have to acknowledge it. And as both of us like who live, have lived, currently live in New York, I know for me, I have played that scenario in my head so many times when I'm on mm. a very packed subway because – you can't go anywhere. You're on the car. You're in the train. The doors are closed. And yeah. I always was like, what would I do? Like, should something crazy happen? Like, what's my game plan? And so <sighs> I just – just sending, like, love and prayers and strength to everybody that was on that car or on that platform mm. because that is not something you wake up the next day being, like, okay about or ever. Super tragic and traumatizing. So as you said, sending lots of love to everyone and, you know, people just in New York, right? Because that must be scary to have to go back out in the world again the next day, you know? Yeah. How how unfortunate. Yeah. And it just makes me sad for, like, New York in general. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like New York can never, like, catch a break. Like, something Mm -hmm. always is happening. And most COVID cases, like, all, you know what I mean? It's always, like, something. Yes. So, like, love yeah. to all the New Yorkers. and For sure. Well, on to, on to a lighter note, we Yeah, had... not to take a turn. Yeah, no, a hard, a very hard. A very <laughs> hard, hard turn. But we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, celebration this past weekend yeah. of season two, our season two launch party with Broadway World. Amazing time. As you can hear, I still don't have a voice three days later (laughs) because I think I was just so excited and I pushed myself a little too hard and I have no voice, but like what a night. And for me, I I don't know about for you, Jay, but like to have multiple of our guests in one space, past and future guests, Mm -hmm. um, that was really cool. And to see like our guests chatting and like networking with each other it was like yeah oh we did this like we made this and i, I think that was really like such a cool moment for sure and having so many people support you know so many people who wanted to be yeah. there who wanted to celebrate with us who believe in us and i mean we have to shout out nicole 
for like, helping us organize yes. this song. Nicole from Broadway World. We love um, you, Nicole. Thank for you for sure. bringing us on. We're yeah. so happy. Yeah. And, you know, Crystal was there and Robin and Mary McGowan, like so many people from season yeah. one. Yeah. Allison, and, Psycho. Yes. Yep. Our future love. guest, Chris Caffaro, Bly. Like, there's so many people, and they just like showed up and showed out. They're on the red carpet looking stunning. He's stunning. <laughs> stunning. And shout out to Catherine, the photographer that came. She took so many stunning pictures, and she was so sure. amazing. So, yeah, it was just a really great night, and I'm so grateful that we got to do it. It's always so scary these days to, like, mm. have an event, right? Yeah, because we're event, like, yeah. is this tone deaf? Like, are we doing the right thing? Like, I don't know anymore, but I think that we're at the point in this pandemic where it's like, okay, like, this mm. is just our new normal, and this is yeah. just, like, I don't ever think we're going to, unfortunately, be in a... Um, a time period in our lives. I mean, I hope not, but this is just how I feel now where we're not mm. going to have a, a, a COVID new variant or like somebody yeah. we know has COVID. So anywho, just really grateful that we got to do that. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Uh, so what you've been watching and watching anything good recently, reading anything good. You know what? I'm really, I'm in this final season of this is us. We're oh, in the yes. final season of This Is Us. I've been watching since day one. My old acting coach, Susan Kelechi Watson, is on the show, which mm -hmm. is the only reason I ever sh shout out to Susan. One yes, day, Susan. come on the podcast. Because <laughs> <We would> <laughs> I was a part of her survival job. She was my acting coach. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that would be a really cool, like, episode but regardless that's why i started watching the show six years ago because i was like oh my god susan's on this but it's yeah. actually such an amazing show but they're they're in the final season so i've been keeping up with that every week and i'm not doing any spoilers for anyone who's behind but there's some mm -hmm. like big like character stories plot twists that are like like I, I watched last night's episode today this morning and mm -hmm. i was sobbing <laughs> Actually, yes, like, sobbing. So every episode makes me sob. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so behind now. Oh, good. I'm happy I didn't spoil anything because there's some like some no, I'm still some, behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't look at the internet. Don't follow the Instagram because it'll spoil some real big shocking moments. For but sure. Yeah, that's, I feel like I've been so busy with multiple survival jobs. This party was like really like the build up to it. I don't know if you feel the same was like, mm -hmm. ah, and you know, we're in the peak of season two. We're recording, we're editing, we're doing the things. So I haven't really been diving into like yeah. a ton of new shows. Uh, I bought a play at, at the drama bookshop a few weeks ago and I'm, I have it right here. So let's look at it. Yes, it's drama called bookshop. How to Make Friends and Kill Them by Haley Pfeiffer. <laughs> I don't oh, know wow. anything about it. I just literally skimmed through it and I was like, oh, this looks like a good play. And so I bought it, but it's been sitting nice. in my bag. But so I, I have every intention to read that, but I haven't yet. <laughs> well, yeah, it's on so your that's list. pretty much it. It's on my list. How about you, Jay? What about do you have a, a survival job story to share? Oh, uh, I I don't. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> got I want to talk about it. Abbott Elementary. That was I want. Yeah. To talk about. Okay. Talk about something artistic, have you, and we'll have table you, survival have you seen jobs. It? Have you no seen idea. it? I have oh no gosh. idea what it is. Well, you, you like the drama. You like the drama, the heavy, the heavy lifting, the, the, the heavy crying, lifting. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy lifting acting, the crying, the drama, the, the, drama. the drama. You look for the drama. 
but uh, Abbott Elementary is on ABC or Hulu, and it's like it's a workplace comedy similar to like The Office or like Parks and Rec, and it's it's hilarious. Like the cast is is so funny. It's about um this this woman who's like a teacher and she's like her second year and she's like a newer teacher who wants to make the school better and she teaches at a school called Abbott Elementary. It's in, a, in an inner city. Uh, Quinta Brown, I believe her name is. Uh, she's Wait. like the writer creator. What happened? Is this the girl? You know that video that was viral and she was she like, started up viral, Ooh, yeah. he got money. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's large. Her. <laughs> Get it all for him. That's her, right? I believe that's her, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I've been yeah. meaning to watch this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Robin was telling me about this, actually. Also, because yeah. I'm like, you're saying all this. I'm like, I've heard this before. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, and Broadway legend Cheryl Lee Ralph is in it, who was in the wow. original Dreamgirls and who played Moesha's mom and she's so she's so funny. The whole cast is great and it's like very heartwarming. If you're a teacher, like I have some friends that are teachers and it says it resonates very deeply with them how true it is and how they take oh, wow. something that's you know kind of heavy, but they put a funny little twist on it and it makes you laugh and has a lot of heart. So I recommend that for sure. And they just had a oh, season wow. finale, which I gotta catch up on. Yeah. Oh, good. Good to know. I definitely will um when I take like a beat for myself, <laughs> I'll yeah. definitely check it out. I know it's good when you like had a long day, you want something light on, you know, yeah. you're not trying to cry those heavy tears. Yeah, the heavy lifting. <laughs> the heavy lifting of the dramas. Remember um, when I was like, Jason, do you have a survival job story to show? And you're like, not today. No, no, I wasn't planning. I, uh, yeah. Next um, time. <laughs> next next time, week. I'll, I'll do some heavy lifting and think about it. <laughs> it's nice not to think about it, right? You no, know no, it is though. It's like a lot of those survival jobs are kind of triggering, so I have to be like, really that's think exactly. About- yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. We, like I said before, we've had like a hundred between us, so hundred percent, hundred, hundred percent. I will share a quick story. Okay. I used to, used to work at the Highline Ballroom. Shout out and <laughs> and shout out to well, not there anymore. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. But um, one day. We were setting up, so I worked in the front as uh, as a host, and I did co-check or whatever. And one day we're setting up, we're getting ready for, I think it was a private event that night. And anyway, we're like setting up or whatever, like there's people from the event, like inside the main room setting up or whatever. And all of a sudden, Gilbert Godfrey walked in. Oh R- my god! R.I.P. Yeah, he like walked in, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was just so confused. I was like, "Why is he?" I was like, "Is he like here for the events? Like maybe he's like the special guest." Oh gosh! So you know, we were like, we were like, "Hey, do, like, can we help you? Do you need to speak to like the person running the party?" He's like, "Oh, I, no." He just like walked to the, he just walked inside. We're like, "Oh, okay, that's like pretty normal." Like you know, yeah, come on, he's in. A celebrity, yeah. and then uh, major celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I, I told the manager that Gilbert Gottfried was there, and he was like, "Oh, why?" And I was like, "I, I was like, I don't know." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I'm just a worker. I'm just, I'm just the host." A worker. <laughs> He's like, well, he's not scheduled to be here. So anyway, he go find he goes to find Gilbert Godfrey, who was like chilling in the green room. And long story short, he was at the wrong venue, this <laughs> way he was somewhere else. But you know, on the way out, he was like, oh, sorry about that, everybody. He was so kind and so like generous, and it was I'm... just a nice memory. And yeah, so R.I.P. to him because he passed that away. That was so sad. I know. That's yeah. so sad. I'm crying that he was just at the wrong venue. Yeah. <laughs> It was very cute. And then he went to the green room. <laughs> it was just like chilling up there. You like, think he was eating the hummus? Platter? Oh, probably. I mean, I would. <laughs> that hummus platter was good at Highline. I do want to say, not a lot of things were super good there, but that hummus platter was kind of lit. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Anyway, Samantha, I think we should get into our guest, right? Yeah, let's Hunter do it. Burke. And I was wearing this t-shirt today for Hunter because I'm you a are. huge Scream fan. Yes, right? you are. When this is Woodsboro High is from Scream. But then I remembered Hunter was on Scream season two of the TV show. And it was a whole different uh, town. It was at like the Lakewood, <laughs> Lakewood High School. So I kind of failed on that part. But you're like, but- <laughs> it's, a th- it's a thought that counts. It's a thought, thought that, that counts. counts. Yeah. Thought that yeah. counts. So Hunter, when you watch this, I was trying to bring that good uh, Woodsboro juju, scream juju. Come to on, this, Hunter. But, um, anyway, should we talk about him? Yeah, I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode. He was so lovely to chat with. And right? so sweet and genuine. And it's always nice. Earth. Yeah. It's always mm-hmm. nice to talk to artists who are so kind mm-hmm. and supportive. And 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 this industry is all about lifting everyone up. And he said some really great kind words to us once we stopped recording. So I, I just want to like shout out to like sometimes the industry knocks us down and like there are you know, cringy people. I guess that's my <laughs> word of the season, cringy. Yeah, there right. are cringy people in the industry, as in any industry, right? So when you find like a good egg, like a successful one too, it's just mm-hmm. so it's so nice. So um let's let's tell everyone a little bit about him and get into this episode, unless you would yeah. like to share something, Jason. No, I was I was just gonna say, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of of Sweet Magnolias, which yeah, is where I, I discovered uh Hunter. He, he plays Trotter. Was one of my favorite characters, and he's just so kind. And you know, while we were editing, uh, while we were getting preparing to talk to him, and, and you know, getting that ready, I was like watching some clips and just reminding, reminding myself of like him and you know what his character is yeah. about. And watching the interview back again after talking to him, he's so much like that character, right? He's so genuine and kind and thoughtful, and he knows like the right things to say. And I don't know. I was just like, I don't think he had to do much acting there. He's just very naturally like that. From what I can tell, of spending an hour with him recently. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Okay. So we'll tell you guys (laughs) a little bit about him and then we'll jump right into the episode. Sure. Okay. Hunter Burke was born in South Louisiana during the only World's Fair exposition to ever declare bankruptcy during its run. (laughs) After ultimately deciding that farming sugarcane was not his preferred career path, he wrote, produced, and acted (laughs) in the feature film Lost Bayou, which had its world premiere at the 2019 Tribeca Film Festival. An alumnus of the 2016 Blacklist Screenwriting Lab of the 2020 Sundance Film Festival Talent Forum, as well as a quarterfinalist for the 2021 Nickel Fellowship, Hunter can more recently be seen in front of the camera recurring in the Netflix original series, Sweet Magnolias. These days, he spends his free time restoring a mint green 1965 Pontiac... Con- oh, God. You said, <laughs> you said you're the one that always messes up, and here I am. <laughs> That's why I practiced... <laughs> Today. I was like, let me read this. Make sure I, thought I, I, I thought I read it too, but okay. Messed that up. Anyway, <laughs> these days he spends his free time restoring a mint green 1965 Pontiac Catalina and staring pensively at the damned beautiful sugarcane field, vowing never to go back to those majestic swing Aww. stalks ever, ever again. <laughs> Love him. Such a great storyteller. Mint green <laughs> car though sounds fierce. Like that's right? the kind of car I think I would like to rock. I mean, he's pretty fierce, so... Look at that. Let's go. Let's listen. All right. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Hi, Hunter. Hey, guys. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk it's to enough. us. 
It is an honor to talk to y'all about survival jobs, a subject near and dear, close to my heart. So, <laughs> Same. That's why we made this thing, because we were like, hey, this is crazy what we do. Let's talk about it with everyone. True. Yeah. And kind of like we were like, we don't want to go back either. We want to like figure out how we can get to that next level. So we're like, we're going to like, you know, like just pick your brain as much as we can. <laughs> I hope there's something in there because these days it doesn't feel like there's anything. <laughs> COVID brain is real. Oh my gosh. In I have so no many ways. Even before that, it was just, like <laughs> there, so. just use COVID brain like going forward. Right. So then it's like a good excuse. I'm going to put that on my resume, like COVID brain at the bottom. So if I go up on a line, you know, some forgiveness. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely good. Well, let's kick it off, right? Can can you share a story or an experience from a survival job that you've had that has positively impacted your wonderful Uh, career? Gosh. I mean, they all, this is kind of a broad sweeping statement, but I worked in the service industry for a long time. And I think that that, you know, I don't know if this is related to acting so much as it is just being a person that will really kind of provide a, uh, a great perspective in, into the world. I mean, you wait on so many people, you you serve everybody, you get to meet people from all different strata of the society. And it really, I think, broadens your your knowledge on, on who's out there and what they're doing and who their lives are. And I think for better or for worse, you kind of get a, a really nice introspection into humanity that you can draw from. In both your work, but also uh, how you like uh, how you like to be perceived, as well as what you put out into the world. Um, I don't know. It was always I, I used to bartend uh, at a place in New Orleans, and it was always really fascinating who would come in, and, and you know, it was the best part was always uh, setting up. Um, you know, conversations about where you're from, who you're with, you know, what's your life like, you know, essentially all of the things we do as actors, setting up the stakes and building out character, like they're giving this information away for free. For and sure. it, it's essentially the the go, you know, sit on a park bench and watch, people watch. I mean, you kind of get to do this up close and personal. And it's, it's not weird if you're asking someone leading questions about who they are or how willing right. they are to engage in conversation. And then it also provides you with, you know, just a better view of, of how to treat people because of how people treat you. I think everybody, mm-hmm. you know, this is nothing new, but I think everybody in the world should at least wait tables for a month. Because right? really, it really gives you perspective on, on everything. And just because you're a server, it doesn't mean, you know, you're any less of of a member totally. of society and it's i don't know it's the chip on my shoulder and so now i go into restaurants and it's just the perspective that i've always you know feel like i needed as a human and mm-hmm. maybe that's not as specific as i probably should be getting but those ideas <laughs> no, it's kinda, great. that's it's in-depth character work that you know when i was at a loss for decisions about acting specifically character decisions I could always pull from from someone who sat at the bar, or, you know, a couple that I'd seen, and that kind of stuff is elemental to what we do when we're creating characters and, and designing art and you know, recreating the world in you know, paint or word or, or image. So that one, uh, that one, I'm, I'm very grateful for that, and all of the jobs that I figured out that I didn't want to do yeah. <laughs> led me to being an actor, like working in a sugarcane field. Or yeah, that's work- the next question. What are the worst ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's in the elements. It's uh, I worked in a sugar sugar cane field when I was younger with my dad, and I mean, wow. this was you know teens, uh, Louisiana. We, yeah, in Louisiana, wow, just real rural farm. My dad is connected to a lot of that land. Was connected to a lot of that land out there. And 
So we'd go and, you know, help cousins and uncles who weren't really our cousins or uncles. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it was kind of like the early days of the allowance and, and really the, the work ethic got sunk in out yeah. there because that was, you know, no joke, hard, back-breaking work. And, and it's, uh, it really <laughs> helped me focus on what I wanted to do in life because I, I, I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like probably so hot. That's the other thing. You do some of the planting yeah. in the summer because you gotta you harvest in the October or in the fall, late fall. So it was like, all right, the humidity in Louisiana is unrivaled, maybe except for I mean that's not true. The humidity is terrible anywhere near the equator, but specifically yeah. in Louisiana is awful. Um, you're such a good storyteller. I was like looking at your bio that you sent us, and I was like, this is <laughs> so like really great. So I guess my question is, how old were you when you knew you wanted to be a storyteller, and like? What inspired you to want to pursue it? Like yesterday, I woke up and I was like, you know, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> I want to figure this out. No, I think, you know, I had a, I had a, mo uh, a mom who, uh, you know, came from a very gregarious family of six. I had a dad who came, who well, came from a very six? gregarious. Yeah. <laughs> Big oh Catholic families. That's my there. dream is to have six uh, kids. <laughs> really? Six, it might be five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're never alone. I mean, you've always got friends and. But yeah, I just, the family, my parents growing up, my dad was a politician and a joke teller, a storyteller. They were a family obsessed with movies. They were a family obsessed with telling stories. A big part of the culture down there is joke telling. And, uh, and so that was kind of all rooted in the like nurture of things and then the nature of the genetics coming from this kind of slightly askew artistic family. My great, 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 great grandfather was a blind piano player and he used to play for the the silent films and it would sync up to what the action was happening. You know, the old Charlie That's Chaplin amazing. before they had sound. He would play at the local theater and that was the music accompaniment for the movie. Wow. So, That's <clears> so <throat> cool. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Nepotism. So, I mean, here, here you go. I'm um, <laughs> where I am because of, you know, great, great grandpa and Pat. Um, <laughs> but no, it was kind of all inherent early on. Uh, I was around it. And then, uh, when I started to get into grade school, did the plays, and that was always something that was mm. a thrill. Much like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have that experience too. When they're younger, they get into plays and they're like, I can skip class for this. Great. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, man, uh, for sure. I've just always been drawn to stories and storytellers, and I've always been a fan of it. And then when I realized that there was an opportunity to partake and to be involved with it, I think I really started to gravitate towards it. And it was, you know, like seventh, eighth grade and in high school, I did the musicals um, because that was kind of the outlet at the time. And then in college, um, made it a point to, uh, against my parents' wishes, uh, go into the, the theater program at the university that I was going to. And I'm kidding. They were very supportive. I was going to um, say, okay, we're taking like, a, a turn. Minute. We are taking a turn. I have an older sister named Darcy, and she was a professional <laughs> dancer. So three and a half years oh. ahead of me, she was paving the way for starving artists. So you know, big ups to okay. her. Uh, Shout, out. Shout out to Darcy. Shout out to Darcy for paving the way and, and, and letting let my folks know that their kids were going to be nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I... I I started to take it seriously, uh, you know, in, in academia. And then I think it was always film. I always wanted to be in film. I was always obsessed with movies. Uh, we would watch them growing up religiously. We had a ritual of every Tuesday night. We would get cheeseburgers from Sonic and we would watch, you know, the video from down the street and everybody had a pick. So it was ritualized and it was always something that was, you know, the kick of my 
my childhood experience. Um, and so when it came time to like actually put it into place, I had, I mean, of course had a support system that really encouraged me to do it. And then, you know, had the, had the accessibility to like a university or in this case, it was, uh, the university and then also the Louisiana, uh, tax incentive program that brought a lot of films to Louisiana at that time. And so I was fortunate that a lot of things came together to allow me to do this. And I realized that's not the case with everyone. And so I'm very lucky and very fortunate that I had access to that. It, it really kind of catered a, a way for me to go and do it. I started out acting and then realized quickly that I had a, a lot of spare time in between my survival job. Um, hey, always and I, bring it back to the survival job. Bring it you in, know? looking on the, on the sides. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. realized that I, I didn't have the, op- I didn't always have the opportunity I wanted as far as acting. So I was like, okay, I need to goodwill hunting this and start writing the material that I mm-hmm. want to be a part yes. of. So found a, a writing partner and one of my best friends and uh, started, you know, crafting stories and scripts specifically. And they were really bad at first, got a lot of really bad stuff out of the way early on. Just, <laughs> yeah. know, and, and still getting it out of the way, to be quite honest. But um, knew that I wanted to to create, to service the acting side of things, to create story, to write story. And then along the way, uh, I mean, I realized that it also serviced my friends, you know, because I was making films with uh with my really talented filmmaker friends and uh it, it it became a communal experience and that's really the key that i fell in love with and that's central to why i still pursue this crazy business is because oh there gosh. is such a camaraderie and a community involved with with doing these things even if you're a hired gun for a day or two or a couple mm-hmm. of months there is a running away and joining the circus of, of <laughs> technicians that are in love with it as much as you are. And every day you yeah. show up to work and you get to do it. And like that, yeah. like learning that evolution of what acting was really has, has uh, sustained me, you know, through the tough times uh, more than anything. And so I, I think that was kind of the final key is realizing it was such a communal effort. And it was, it was an, an opportunity to, to be a part of something that wasn't just me. It was something creating a bigger a bigger and better uh, picture of what the art could be by involving everybody who was just as passionate, if not yeah. more, than myself. So. Right. That just gave me chills because that right. is part of the reason why I love it too, is because you're a part of something yeah. and everyone's there because they love it. And so yeah. to be a part of something magical with people who also like love the magic mm-hmm. is so fun. Yeah. So beautiful. Especially what you Thank said you about your, your your friends, like making stuff with your friends. Like you had your tribe, you had your community right there too. And giving them yeah. opportunities, right? Yeah. And I mean, really, they gave me opportunities. I think yeah. that's, that's the <laughs> longest short of it. But yeah. you know, it is an excuse to hang out. I mean, I still write with my writing partner, who's he's one of my best friends. And it really it's just an excuse to to, you know, to shoot the to shoot play. The stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to play. That's so Love fun. That. So, so you fell in love with it. So then once you decided and did the thing, what was your journey like to get representation and to start yeah. like taking that next step? Good question. Uh, nepotism, obviously my grandfather, uh, great, great, yes, great, 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 great granddaddy. Yeah. I dug up the documents. He had a lot of, uh, no, no. Gonna, that, that joke's going to get real old if it hasn't already. <laughs> no, it's good. Keep it going. We got to um, some no. piano music in. Like. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Jason will have to edit it in. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was kind of, uh, it's interesting because I look back and it's kind of an interesting path. And in, I think one that's becoming more and more common uh, as I mentioned, right when I was in college, 
my desire was to go to New York or LA, whichever one, specifically LA, because I think at that time I knew I wanted to do film. Um, and then the, you know, in the newspaper, it was like, Louisiana Tax Incentive Program, bringing films to Louisiana. Uh, and, and so my Thank dad showed voice. me, yeah, you're welcome. It's, that's the Barker on the corner, by the way. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's also the resume. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll put COVID brain next to it. Perfect. That's right, that's right next to it. Special Perfect. skills. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was in the right place at the right time when the Louisiana film incentive came into fruition and I was able to capitalize, uh, they started shooting films because they were getting a rebate. Productions were getting a rebate. And so, you know, either three or four films would come through a year. It's how it started. And then, you know, grew to 10 and then TV shows started coming. And so I was able to capitalize on the industry blooming in Louisiana and then eventually also blooming in Atlanta, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, the South really kind of figured out the Southern states and like the Gulf Coast, uh, like rear Pacific area started to really understand that they could they could attract film and ideally turn a profit because of it and so they were shooting projects and everybody was still figuring out the market so agents agents were kind of more on the accepting side of things I, you know i did a lot of extra work early on a lot of extra work geez uh, that's also <laughs> akin to waiting tables kind yes. of provides a great perspective on how everything works let's help yeah that was those were cool survival jobs too um realistically I was probably spending money because I would have to travel to where the production was, but it was hindsight. It was worth it. You um, learn so much, right? You like, do, you do. And, and then it's a lot of the same people that I ended up making a film with years later. And so I think I was again, kind of afforded this ability to work in a smaller market early on. And so kind of worked my way, got an agent just simply by, you know, emailing a couple of the agents that were in Louisiana or Atlanta. It was that easy, which is ridiculous. Um, right. And Sometimes all you got to do is ask. That's been an ongoing yeah. theme on this podcast. It's true. It's, mm -hmm. it's putting the effort know. out there and, mm -hmm. and, and understanding what the directive is. Did extra work, day playing. I, I you know, eventually worked my way up to having lines. Um, yes, lines. Which was a thrill. <laughs> um, I highly recommend it to all actors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I had yeah. no idea. I'll yeah. take that into consideration. Thank you so yeah. much. I worked my way up to one them. line. So appreciate it. You got to memorize them. I mean, you have you know to it. memorize them. Yeah, I don't let you make them. Up. Wow. Well, no. <laughs> oh no. Um, no, but that. So in in the last you know fifteen years, I've been able to kind of cultivate a career uh, working in the South, and in a way, mm -hmm. kind of start to parlay that into you know getting representation and getting seen out in Los Angeles and New York uh, and that to be quite honest is still kind of slow going because it there is a respect for the actors that go to New York and LA that I think casting has mm. um, for the people that are out there you know in the trenches you, you yourself Samantha and you Jason like you guys out there kind of you know making it happen there is a much deserved respect for that so I think having when I went to LA I think it was like four years ago like I, I had a pretty decent resume of, of credits and a, a great reel, but it was still hard to get indoors because people were like, well, you, you kind of snuck in the back door and, oh. and we don't, I don't know if that's really the vibe. Um, I hate that. 
Um, and listen, I, like what door you come in, if you got it and you're doing the thing, you're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, that's what I surmised. No one ever came out and said, this right. is why we're that's not saying you. Felt. This is like how I would rationalize to myself going to bed. At night. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the LA agent was considerably harder to get. Um, <laughs> and it was actually parlayed through a manager and it was just like, you know, writing emails to managers mm-hmm. and agents and cold calling, which they don't like that either. Cause they're like. They want you to, they want to want you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm quite saying that right. No, it's no, true. Totally. It's true. Um, so, I you know, not to yell at me once, literally on the phone and told me to leave him alone. After he told, <laughs> yeah. I never told you that story. But after he told me to follow up with him, he told mm. me to follow up with him. And then he literally screamed at me on the phone and was like, do not contact me anymore. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so funny. Sorry to interrupt you. Your story. No, no. Got a lot of those stories myself. So it's, yeah. uh, it's nice yeah. to know I'm in, I'm in good company. Well, I yeah. tried like right before the pandemic or maybe it was like, yeah, right at the, during the pandemic, I tried to, because I had a manager and I was trying to get an agent and I had to reach out to someone that my friend recommended me to. And I've, I've had a couple like co-stars and the guy was like, yeah, you need to book a couple more. And I'm like, well, I can't really book <laughs> a couple more without you. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. It makes no sense. <laughs> it truly is the catch 22. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, you need roles to get an agent and you need an agent to get roles. It's. I mean, the more I kind of go into it, it's a lot of it. And this is true for every business out there, but it is a business of, you know, who, you know, and who can kind of put you on or who can recommend you. And it's, it's a sticky business when you're calling your friend, you're like, Hey, can you, you know, can you ask your agent if they're looking for somebody? Yeah. It's again, it's humbling. I mean, maybe there's, there's, there's always this opportunity to be humbled, but it's, you know, it happens and I, it happens kind of in weird ways and, and all the ways that I try. That's not how it happened for me. So it's. Well, I'm going to gas you up a little bit because you've been working in Hollywood for what? Over a decade, <laughs> 15 years, you said. Um, and you, like you've appeared in some amazing films. Get on up. Insurgent. One night in Miami. Television oh, shows. Man. Claws. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> Scream, which I, I was trying to watch. I love Scream. I love the Scream film. So I was trying Same. to watch the series. Once yeah. I found out that you were in the second season, I didn't get there yet, though. It's so hard. This work is yeah. so busy. But anyway, um, and of course, Sweet Magnolias. But I wanted to know, um, do you remember your first, like, really big audition? And, like, how did it go? Well, I remember my first audition, which oh, is yeah? just horrible. I'll talk to like you about Like, ever? That. <laughs> yeah, ever. It was for oh, a Tell film. us, tell us. It was for a film called Deja Vu. And it's a Denzel Washington movie that they were shooting in New Orleans. And oh, I, I had just I gotten my agent. And she sent me the sides, which I was, I had had a film class by that point. So I kind of knew what You're like, do. what's a side? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First I was like, a side of what? Fries? <laughs> Rice and gravy? No. Um, so I just, I remember going into this office and my agent was like, okay, so the casting director, she doesn't really like to shake hands. So, you know, just go in there, do your thing, say your name, it'll be all right. I was like, okay, cool. So I went in. Learn my lines. It was like for a Coast Guardsman, like the in the movie, the ferry explodes and then they have to figure out what happened. And, you know, I, I went in and it's, it's with Denzel Washington, who's one of my favorite actors. Oh my gosh, It was like, okay, um, yes, sir, Captain, uh, the, the ferry just exploded. We don't know what happened. And I'm pretty sure it was with that kind of emphasis. And then she, the <laughs> casting director was like, oh, yeah, great. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. And I was like, oh, you know, thanks for having me. And I like walked up to her and stuck my hand out and oh, was no. ready to shake her hand. And she looked at my hand and was like, <laughs> no, 
she said no yeah she said no uh, and luckily, I've, I've gotten oh. to be good friends with this casting director. Later oh, that's so fun. I've <laughs> talked to her about this experience, but it was mortifying. I was dying inside. Not to mention it was a terrible audition. I hadn't prepared it as much as I should have. And really I'm just didn't that know she says no. Like, she said no. <laughs> it, was, it was years later, too, and I told her about this and in another casting session, which I was much more prepared for and didn't try to shake her hand. Uh, and she laughed about it. so good. It was great. That's kind of the resolution I needed to like, you know, backfill yes. the feelings that I had about that one. Oh um, as far as auditions go, I mean, <clears throat> we started in the South a lot of on tape stuff. So it was an opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of play. I think a lot of it is kind of gone on tape now because of the pandemic. But uh, we got pretty savvy with it really quick because a lot of the casting, not all of them, but really, really stuck to taping early on because so they could process things quicker. Um, I miss yeah. going into rooms, to be honest. It's it, the access to tape is so nice because you can get a tape from you know casting, get a tape from anywhere in America, from anybody, yeah. what, like right. across social strata, and be able to do it. So it really opens up opportunities for everybody. So speaking of earlier, when you were talking about how you are writing and you like to expand everything, I want to talk about the Lost Bayou. 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 There you go. <laughs> you have to help me on my. Uh, my twang? You don't need much help. I'm telling Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about this. So you wrote, produced, and starred in it. And it was at the Tribeca Film Festival, which Jason and I are huge fans of. So can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that and like where you got the idea and the process to do it and then get it to Tribeca? Sure. Um, <clears throat> also, so congratulations oh, on okay. Tribeca. That's huge. That's huge. Like 2019 that sounds right yeah it was pre-pandemic so it was still an opportunity to be there and see everybody and amazing um yeah i you know we're fortunate that, again all of this is luck all of this is luck and fortune and i think just kind of meets you where you are so i'm i'm, I'm lucky blessed fortunate all of the above uh, to have the opportunities that i've had with this kind of thing um but it started with trying to make a movie um for nothing, essentially, for low budget. And it was designing the kind of layout, the nuts and bolts of what the script was going to be with a limited uh, box. It was like, okay, so you always go, you know, can you shoot in one location? All right, what's the one location going to be? That part plus we, my co-writer and I, and then I developed it with the director as well. <clears throat> we sat down, we're all from the small towns in Louisiana, kind of that circulate Lafayette. Um, we talked about like kind of what the story we could tell would be. And it, you know, came down to the heritage and culture of Cajun country in South Louisiana. And so we looked at what we had around us, what was available. And we just so happened to have a houseboat uh, accessible and then a bayou oh, wow. and then like a landscape that could provide, you know, I guess, um, I guess spectacle. Cause that was the other thing we wanted to provide like a, a cinematic feeling to it. Yeah, of course. And then when it came time to design the story it was dipping into the cajun folklore of what faith healers are and how that particular culture sees them in that part of the world and so we kind of designed it in that way and normally that's not how all of the writing projects i've done have been this was just a very special case because we knew we needed to make a movie for nothing um and so we kind of worked from the ground up we had what we had and the story that we told we knew we needed to have a limited number of cast members and so we went about and 
started writing this piece, you know, kept it under 90 pages. It was just a character piece. It was designed almost like a play. And so we really had to sharpen the dialogue. And I don't yes. think we really sharpened it as much as we oh. could have, but that's all right. Um, Next one. Yeah. Wait, was it, was so, it your first feature though? That's amazing though. Uh, first produced feature? Yeah. We'd written a wow. lot of really terrible scripts before. <laughs> yeah. But you made a film. Yeah. And you yeah. got it to try Becca on your first one. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. We were able to get into, so we raised money through Seed and Spark, which I can't, I can't. Oh, we love them. They're so awesome. Yeah. Emily and company over there are just amazing. Uh, highly recommend for all your fundraising needs. Um, yes. And then we were able to compete in like a competition they had at the time called Hometown Heroes. And yes. uh, the grand prize was $20,000 and then EP credit from the Duplass brothers. Um, what? And so we, you know, really put all the emphasis we had into running the campaign and raise 15 grand, I think. Wow. Um, that sounds right. And then, you know, we're one of the five uh, projects chosen for the finalists. We put together a pitch for the final. Uh, we didn't end up winning, uh, but we kind of, in an, in you know, in a weird way, we had to put all of our effort into it. So we put our best foot forward, and it forced us to make the best product we could. Um, That's and amazing. so we were able to have all of this wonderful prep going into production. Uh, but we did get a grant from the Duplass brothers for a thousand dollars that they called the "Oh Shit" grant. Yes, um, <laughs> I love and, that. And their ex or Mark's explanation was that it's you know, in, when you're filming something, it's always you always need an extra thousand dollars lying around because if you break a boat or you know if one yeah. of your cameras yeah, exactly. falls in the water, it's, it's like you got that oh shit money. Um, but that's so clever. That, yeah, uh, we were able to find some investors in New Orleans, um, and then we we went out and we shot for thirteen days in the swamp in South Louisiana on a houseboat, which is insane. I don't recommend <laughs> shooting on water. Say. With the gators and the snakes still stayed away? And it's when you, yeah, I mean, for the most part, luckily it was in February, so they're all hibernating. Oh, hibernating, yeah. Uh, but the the real trick was just that shooting on water, like, you have to have boats if you're going to, like, get off of the houseboat to shoot from. And then you can't really maneuver without moving the boat. And it's not like getting up and walking right. out on land. You have to move and you have to be on a boat. And the thing about boats, they will break. Even if you're doing nothing wrong, they will oh, break. No. And so every break. Broke, like the engine will break. It, not oh. safe, luckily not Got safe. it. I'm like, what do you mean? Snap in half? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. You didn't make, ti you didn't make Titanic. <laughs> I'm thinking like wood boats, like going around with rows yeah, like, and like the camera trying to get the shot and the waves. <laughs> luckily, it was like, you know, a, a cadre of, of family and friends who had like bass boats and, and, and uh, all these other kind of flat bottom boats. And like motors, they just don't like being in water. Like for whatever reason, they're like, we don't mm -hmm. operate all the time. So every boat broke. Uh, it was just a, a real pain in the butt to to shoot, but I think ultimately gave us something uh, visually that was really rewarding. Uh, so we shot for 13 days, had two days of pickups just because we had to get in the water. The water was too cold in February. Oh, um, yeah. And then our director submitted a rough cut to, Let's see. It was the um, I'm gonna blank on this. It's called Gotham now, but it was the uh, oh, the Gotham Institute, a, right? Yeah, yeah. And they, they used to be called something else, and I can't remember the former name. Uh, Zach's awesome. I remember Zach. He's over there. He's running it. Um, shout out to Zach. Honestly, shout out Zach Mandanak. But yeah, we went to a lab for first time filmmakers, and we were able to kind of 
learn through their mentors and facilities how to put a movie through post. I think we kind of knew a lot of it, but there's so much about when you go to market your film afterwards that we just mm. didn't know and we didn't have access to. And so, you know, we went three times to New York over the course of the year uh, for a week at a time and they did lab intensives for a week. Um, and during one of those lab intensives, we were able to meet with a few representatives from film festivals across the country. Um, and while we were there, we were able to meet with uh, one of the programmers for Tribeca. And so we had yes. an opportunity to kind of be like, here's what our thing is. It's funny because like when, as soon as somebody signs off on who you are, like everything else is kind of falls into place. And as much yeah. as I want to sit here and say like what we made is great and awesome and cool. And maybe that's true. Like it is, it is a product of kind of being in touch with the right people who were able to put us in other places. And that's again, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the first place, a lot of it is just trying and then pushing that product to other people who hopefully can get you to the other people. And I mean, it's, mm. that sounds like a grim way to say it. Ultimately, you're making friends and colleagues along the way that you're going to be working with. Totally. Uh, so, so a lot of who we, you know, were able to interact with throughout, um, you know, we still remain friends and collaborators to this day, but and it's like a genuine connection, right? It's not like yeah. just like a, oh, I'm schmoozing with you, like it's exactly because I'm, <laughs> I'm so terrible at schmoozing because ultimately <laughs> I just want to talk about everything else. I don't want to talk about film. Yeah, <laughs> and you can always like sniff those ones out. The people who are like in it for the wrong reasons, which I don't yeah. even know if that makes any sense, but I think you follow. Versus like, we're all just trying to do the thing and we all can mm -hmm. help each other. Going back to what you said earlier about like, we're all just making a thing together because we love it. Yeah. And let's let's figure out how to work together and make magic. <laughs> is it so the from... independent filmmaker project? Is that what it is? That's it. Okay. Oh, you were just I Googling it. I did. Can you tell? I was trying to be sly. You got it. Thank you. You saved me, Jason. I'm going to get an angry email. That's not true. Jason always saves me, so no, seems no. right. Day saver. No. Too sweet. Um, no, <laughs> I love not. that. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, so, I mean, because I'm a writer and I'm, you know, I want to, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to make a feature one day. You, know, I made a you are a filmmaker. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it, Thank buddy. You. He's you really sick. can. He already has made like a million films. <laughs> I don't know what he's like. You've I want to be a filmmaker. He I know, is. but I want, to make a, I want to make a feature. Like, you know, okay. I want to make a feature Fine. one day. It'll, it'll happen. You just hear but, me you know, yell at him. I'm like, you are. I love it, Sam. Thank Keep you. him accountable. Jeez. Yes. Come on, Jason. I always have to tell him, like, let's go. You already do it. Thank you. Take it up a notch. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, but um, I am. I'm going on mute so I don't talk over you like I just always do. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was just gonna say I admire like multi hyphenage that can do, it can write and produce and and create. And you were saying, or I read in your bio also that you're an alumnus of the 2016 Blacklist Screenwriting Lab, and yeah. you were a quarter finalist for the Nickel Fellowship, which is, like the biggest screenwriting competitions, like. Ever, <laughs> yeah, we've gotten really lucky. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. But how do you balance like writing and then auditioning, like working as an actor? Because you're a working actor who writes also. Um, it's. Let's I'll say this. Uh, 
<laughs> no, no, it's not. Because I, I think at, at my worst times, I, it's trying to find, you know, reason to continue the creative process. And then you have to recognize that, you know, I worked so many survival jobs again um, <laughs> to get to the point where I, I could be able to do this for a living. And so balancing mm -hmm. it becomes pretty easy when you when I realize how lucky I am. And I realize that the end, the process is kind of what I'm in love with and ultimately whether it's a script right now i'm working on a novel which oh my gosh totally yes beast. but the the script ideally will lead to the experience of making the film um and that's kind of personally how i look at it it's like i need that like that motivation to to complete it and luckily i have accountability because i write with somebody um but just understanding how lucky i am to be able to do it uh, both acting and writing kind of pushes me to do it. Um, and then I, I think, I don't know, this is kind of, maybe it's just, you know, romantic or, you know, silly and saccharine, but like, yeah, I really do. I love, <laughs> I love telling stories. And I think the opportunity to do that, I've been working my whole life to do it. And then to, to not figure out a way to balance it, which realistically is you know, easy. It's just a matter of sitting down and, and doing the worst version and then making that better. To not yeah. figure out a way to do that and time to dedicate to do that is, is you know, directly counter to everything I've set up for myself since I was, you know, born, I guess. So yeah. that's, it's, it's, but it's, you know, at times it's like, oh, I don't have anything to write. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. just write something. <laughs> write something. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just a matter of understanding how lucky I am. I feel like that's a that's a big part of what dictates uh, how I go about this career in my life. So yeah, I guess that's that's the answer. That's, that's nice. amazing. I love that. I used, I used to practice this, and I don't anymore. And what you just said has inspired me to again. I used to do something every day to further my creative career, whatever that is. So like what yes. you were just saying, like just write it, just do it. I'm lucky that I have like the, the platform to do this or even the creativeness, <laughs> the yeah. creative ability in me to do it. So just every day, whether you read a play, learn a new monologue, write a page, yeah. make a storyboard, whatever it is, do it. Watch I, a show. I, I've experienced something similar in an interview I read recently. I say recently, last two years. Mm -hmm. Leslie Odom Jr. talked about mm. his creative engine. And it's essentially doing something every day to fulfill that creative engine. And it could yeah. be something like reading a book or like reading a chapter, you know, uh, you know, going into your imagination, memorizing a monologue, painting yeah. a picture, but sustaining the creative engine enough to get you through the day in order to do it again the next day. And that, like that fulfillment, I think, while everybody, we all want to be like on, on, on TV and in film and getting paid to do it. Right to sustain that is so helpful even if it's learning a new trade or a craft totally or, um I, i'll never forget yeah. that. it's so great you brought that up sam because again broadway world i mean leslie mr mr Ken yes. Broadway, man. Like, he, is. Out. he is shout, he really shout is. out to that guy we're gonna get we're him gonna on here <laughs> yeah come on uh leslie uh i know you're listening so just <laughs> shoot us an email come yeah. on we'll we'll definitely make a spot for you no problem <laughs> yeah. I'm sliding. sure we can squeeze you in. <laughs> um, wait, did you have something to say, Hunter? I feel like I cut you off because I oh, no. a lot. That oh, was great. it. I was I was building oh, off so of your bad. 
of your conversation about just doing something to engage your creativeness every day. Totally. And, and I feel like I have one more thing to say about that and then we'll move on. As artists, when we find ourselves in depressions or maybe just not Funks. feeling it, yeah. funks is a better word. Thank you. It's because we are feeling bad for ourselves that like, you know, Jason and I, we talk about this all the time. Like, why is this person at that level and what am I doing wrong or whatever? But when you find yourself doing it every day, it keeps you going, which will then get you to the job, which will then get you to the next level, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But exactly. And you really, um, I'll, I'll say this, Sam. I mean, you really, you can't underplay like just the, the doldrums of like not working either. It's terrible. Like I've had a lot, every actor has. And like, I feel like it's it's fun to talk about all the awesome things I've had the opportunity to do, but like it it's also sucks. It sucks so much. And that's a part of it. And I feel like, Actors don't really talk about that enough in like interviews where because nobody right. wants to talk about it. I get it. But like that is the part of it. And yeah. that's unfortunately always going to be a part of it. And to part find of the that job. Just, yeah. And it's it's you when you get paid eventually, you get paid for the suckiness too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You're catching on all the other all the other shit that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about just keeping it going and finding the things within you to keep it going which circles back to what we were just saying it's it's almost like what helps me is i've found that i've I've got to be this is going to sound weird but i've got to be better than the material that i aspire to do i have to be a more well-rounded person and the best version of myself in order Mm -hmm. to meet that stuff later because if i'm operating outside of that and i you know it's that sexy indifference but like the real the reality is like just being a better person, a more well-rounded yeah. person, experiencing life, walking through life, walking through your survival job and taking all of it in uh, to be able to, to face that, that, that audition or that character when it comes, because that's, that's all we can control. Unfortunately, it sucks. Mm-hmm. it sucks. It totally sucks, but like, whatever. And then you make your own work yeah. and write your own things for your friends. <laughs> also. Thank and thank you for being so honest about that. It's like really, it's the, it's the other side of it we don't really hear about like you're, you're so right and i love that yeah you that. and i get it nobody likes to talk about it but it yeah <laughs> so actors out there it happens it still yeah. will happen yeah. it is part of it great so we do know we have the crummy parts when we're not working but i do want to say to take a big turn i binged sweet magnolias all day today <laughs> All day. I keep wanting to say steel magnolias. And every time I say sweet, I'm like, wait, what did I just say? <laughs> did I say <laughs> sweet or steel? Um, so congratulations on being on that show for two seasons, yeah. which was pretty successful. Netflix show was like in the top 10, etc. So yeah. what do you think it is about this particular show and these stories that is so engaging to audiences? to make Um, it have the success that it has yeah no that's a really good question and it's something that i feel like i could give a hundred different answers for just depending (laughs) on what the day is uh but i think it's ultimately it's it's a show with interpersonal relationships in a small stakes setting um Mm. meaning you know it's not marvel we're not out to save the world it's it's hitting people kind of in the more uh everyday life situations that they face themselves in Um, and it's presenting it in a very aspirational way it's a world that exists that i feel like humanity is kind of at its best it's also got its worst and in our fictionalized serenity 
but yeah. it ultimately is about a show about people working on themselves and helping their fellow community members uh, to work on themselves. It's people dealing with problems, divorce, heartbreak, romance, all the good things. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a community show and it's about what happens when people can come together and, and you know, be the best versions of themselves while at the same time putting in the work to be the best versions of themselves. Um, and yeah. it's cathartic, you know, you, you, you feel the pain, you, you feel the anguish. It's, it's, it's these, again, I say small stakes. I don't, it's, it's not saving the world. It's saving yourself and saving your, you know, your, your fellow neighbor, that kind of thing. And it's kind yeah. of dressed in, in the, the, the aesthetic and the cinematography that it, it feels warm. It feels like home. Like when it's it does. kind of like, you know, um, cliche looking home, like warmth, um holiday feel almost yeah but the information yeah. that they're presenting in the show is is again aspirational and it's i feel like it's again watching the second season it was just so wonderful because it mm -hmm. reinforces like people working on themselves and wanting to be better um mm -hmm. and then relying on the the people in their lives to to help them get there and so i think community yeah i think people relate to that and there's also two ways to engage with it you can watch it and like be really absorbed with the themes or you can just kind of have it on and like kind of catch things here and there. It's a nice, it's a nice background too. Yeah. Just, I definitely a, was working while I yeah. had it on because it's it like hang. light. Yeah, totally. But I feel like I need to go back. I missed some key things that happened. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. Well, um, yeah, that's what I really love about it. Like it's 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 homey and it's cozy. And I know that it's like spiritual, cozy. right? But I'm not spiritual at all. Like I, I mean, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious at all. And I know there's a lot of religious undertones to it, but I don't feel like I'm getting beaten over the head with it. You know, I feel like it just feels good. I'm like, I want to move to Serenity. Like <laughs> I was low key on IMDb Pro trying to find out the casting director because I was like, I need to be, <laughs> I need to be on this show because <laughs> I love it so much. I'll put in a good word. I'll see if see see what kind of pull I actually have. Yeah, my best it. friend, Doctor Shannon Pittman, is like, you're going to get cast as, as a reverend on that show. I'm like, maybe not with this hair, but I'll like, <laughs> be the new reverend in Serenity. I don't know. Oh I'll God. figure it out. Great, I love your hair, Jason. Great... I think you can get oh, away with it, buddy. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, great you. hair. <laughs> You guys are so really sweet. Does. You guys are gassing me up so well today. Thank you. I love that you said that now twice. Gassing up. You. I don't think I've heard you do that yet. I like it. <laughs> Thank we're you. keeping it. We're keeping we're, it. We're keeping it. Next, well, you guys gas me up. Just kidding. Next. I mean, you're, you're stunning. <laughs> Samantha, you're stunning all the time. You're so funny. It's, it's the ring light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hunter, we're almost at the end of our interview. Oh, I can't believe it. But I guess I once asked you, and I saw this picture of you wearing a Gambit t-shirt on, on Instagram. And it, it kind of made me think of this question. Do you have a dream job or a dream collaboration or, or dream role you like to play? Because I feel like, you know, this whole Southern Louisiana, like you got some gambit in you, right? It's I mean, keep going, Jason. Keep yeah. Playing, I, you're gassing me. <laughs> Guys, gas me. I really have a question and I'm so sorry. And I have the document with all these questions. What is gambit? What did you just? Oh, am I? Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. No, it's okay. Okay. He's the I really, I didn't want to pretend like I didn't know. Oh, no, it's okay. And I'm right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She's always honest. I love that. Gassing um, me up. Gassing <laughs> me up for the honesty. Wonderful. 
You're just so like, curious, Sam. I love it. So curious. <laughs> just want to be honest. And I'm a curious cat. cat That's, that is, honestly, that is the best trait any person can have is curiosity, like genuine curiosity to, because it means you're engaging in a way. Anyway, I'm going to get off the pedestal, but I think it's wonderful, Curious. Sam. Never Curiosity did not kill the cat. It enlightened the cat. That's right. We're rewriting the, the saying. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. Um, Back to the question. <laughs> Sorry for the total the qu- like, oh, no. sidebar. Dream no. job. <laughs> dream job. Yeah. Dream role. Dream collaboration. Tell us all the things. No, I mean, I think it changes day to day. Like, I, I'll watch something on TV and be like, oh, I really want to work. Like, I was thinking about this today because I listened to an interview with him today. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, the director, I, I love his work. He just makes incredible films. He directed Dune. He directed you know, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yes. Um, I think he's just an outstanding director. And like that's today I'm like, oh, I want to work with Denis. Um, he's also Canadian French. And so I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll get along because we speak yes. kind of derivatives of the same language. Um, <laughs> but no, Jason, to your point, I love Gambit. I grew up, you know, small town kid from Louisiana, specifically the Raging Cajun. That was my college mascot. Um, I mean, it was just like, you know, custom fit. I think every kid in South Louisiana wants to be Gambit. And so growing up, that was it. And now they're making every X-Men movie and Marvel property under the sun. So I'm like, hey, why not? Of course I want to play Gambit. That would be incredible. So, you know, Bob Chapek, if you're listening, you know, get the casting going. Yeah. He's definitely listening. He's definitely listening. Yeah. He's not busy at all. He's definitely listening to our podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm totally <laughs> We're going to manifest sure. that for you. We're going to put that out there. That's going to happen. I love it, Jason. Put Thanks. it in the show notes, Jason. Yeah. That's right. What is Gambit? <laughs> I'm like, guys, I really have a question. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, it's cool. I have he's... no idea. <laughs> so he's a thief, too. He's from New Orleans, but he's a Cajun. Uh, his mm. power is like he's he can charge objects with like kind of energy, like and so they, in, the, in the comics, they glow and you could throw it uh, and essentially he it'll explode and he throws cards. So he's a poker player as well. Yeah. Uh, oh. He's he got that cool like staff. Right? Yeah, he, he yeah. swings around a stick um, and he's Ooh. just kind of a son of a gun. Like, he's always uh, on a snide, sarcastic comment um, and <laughs> really just kind of is the gray superhero a lot of these you know marvel characters but he's one of the x-men that is you never really know if he's doing something that's good or something that's bad because he tends to be out for his own personal like, mysterious um and so that was a lot of fun growing up like with that representation like on screen and being like i want to be gambit and so that's a, you know pie in the sky gambit i'm coming for you yes Yes. It's going to happen. I know, right? You're going to look back and at this we'll interview. Have... Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. We'll have to do a follow-up interview once it happens. Yes. Say, hey, guys, we all manifested this together. We did it, y'all. <laughs> we did it, y'all. Okay. We're, we have one more question, and then we have a really fun game. So I hope you're ready. Okay. In season one, we had one of our guests say that if all of his – artistic success went away overnight he would feel fine and feel a sense of happiness going back to waiting tables because he genuinely enjoyed that survival job do you have a survival job that you feel that way about good question so in college i was roommates with a landscape architect a horticulturalist and so really what that means is i helped him cut a lot of grass and plant a lot of plants and oh, wow. as and also design like landscaping design and as rigorous as that can be in the summer heat that was always such a great job to 
incorporate aesthetic and also, you know, uh, knowledge about what the plant is going to do when it's in the shade and what it's going to do in the sun and what it's going to look, what it's going to look like when it's in bloom and how it's going to come back in the spring. So I, I think I'm, I'd like to be a, I go back to my college days and be like that landscape architect because that was uh, really incorporated what I love to do. And also like at the end of the day, you, you, you're using your hands, you know, you're tired at the end of the day. There's a sense of accomplishment. You can cut the grass and you can see the immediate like uh, results of your hard work. Yeah, this is what I did today. Um, yes. So I think mm -hmm. I would, I would go back to that. Um, yeah. I know as much as I, as much as I claim I'm running away from the sugar cane, it seems like it's going <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great question Sam wow yeah. yeah we always like to bring it back to survival jobs you know start with yeah. survival jobs end with survival jobs that's also it. a nice you know with the plants and stuff there's a sense of creativity there it yeah is. Right? and it's also like a living thing and it's I don't know again yeah. romancing saccharine part of me is just there's a responsibility there and there's just this idea that you're help you're helping create you know this ecosystem and I'm gonna gonna see myself out guys this was fun now. <laughs> things are coming you're just gonna fully skip the game first time first time right, that's okay. happened no games I'm not playing the game <laughs> you keep talking about sugarcane and i haven't had my parents my parents are jamaican so we used to go to jamaica hmm. a lot and we i remember like as a kid like having like sugarcane as a kid and just like biting into it and like Oh, you like brought me back. You like brought me back when I read your bio. Yeah. It's it's so like, wonderful. It's very juicy and it kind of fibrous. It kind of yeah. Juicy. Yeah. It's Again, like... now something else I don't know <laughs> you guys are talking about. Great. No, it's just like it's a plant and it tastes. It's very sweet. It's like yeah. it tastes like sugar. Yeah. Some tropical sugar climates. It's stalks. You know, it's big stalks and you have, you have to harvest it and you have to burn it too. It's um. Here I go. Sugarcane 101, but it's, you know, it's a, it, it, a lot of sugar comes from that, specifically, I think, brown sugar, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but like, it's, a, it's, a great, uh, it's a great supplier of sugar. Um, you'd swear I was working for Big Sugar Cane, but I promise I'm not. We should um, play a drinking game with whoever listens to this episode every time the word sugar gets said. <laughs> That'd be fun. Just wasted on rum. So you bring yeah. Sugar. I, I love when everything comes right back. That's right. Thank you, Broadway world. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. game time. It is game time. Jason, do you want to explain the game? Yes, it's very simple, Hunter. Since you have worked on an amazing, popular Netflix show, we want to know how much you know about Netflix in general. So we got some Netflix history and facts. So let's see. Let's see how much you know about the parent company. <laughs> <laughs> I might get fired. <laughs> there's a lot of multiple choice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bonus, which I'm pretty sure you'll kill. You can always buy a lifeline. It's a little wink, wink. We'll, we'll yeah, give you some. I love it. Throw it back <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. I've yeah. been cheating so yeah. far in season two, which is only one other episode. <laughs> so maybe I'll keep up the cheating. Who knows? <laughs> okay. First question ahead, is true or false. First question, true or false. Netflix still has DVD rental services. True. True, yeah. Okay, next question. <laughs> this is multiple choice, so don't panic. What percentage of Netflix users share an account? A, 50%, B, 90%, C, 75%, or D, 66%? I want to say 75%. 
Emily, it is D66%. <laughs> oh, it's lower than I thought. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but I, I feel like most people would guess higher too. Uh, okay. 2015 case study stated that binging Netflix correlates with blank. There's four options. A, creativity. B, depression. C, productivity. Or D, hunger. I'm going to say <laughs> hunger. Oh, it's wrong, dude. It's yeah. depression. depression. Oh, I know. Isn't that sad? <laughs> okay. What was the original name of Netflix? A, <laughs> Best Flicks. Oh, B, no. Dribble. C, Stroopily. D, Kipple. <laughs> Thank God they went with Netflix. Jeez. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Kipple. Great! Yes! <laughs> ding, 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 ding. That was a He's really good guess. Yeah. That's Did you amazing. not see us? We were going D, D. Yeah. And that was D. the most entertaining option, too. If I was going to get it wrong, I was really going to flail. Kibble. Yeah. During the early days of the company, the management team had difficulty picking a suitable name for the brand. So co-founder Mark Randolph suggested the name Kibble as a temporary name until they came up with the real thing. Wow. Okay, Mark. Okay, Mark. <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes when we do these games, I'm like, are these right? Like they're just yeah. like Google. Like anyone can put anything on the internet, you know. So okay. Yeah. Last question before the bonus: True or false? Tiger King generated 500,000 viewers within the first 10 days of its release. False. 500,000. Yes. 34 million. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> okay, this is a bonus. And let's make a rule. Jason, do you agree? If you get the bonus, you get an automatic automatic hundred. Yeah. Are you ready, Hunter? I think I am. On the Netflix hit show, Sweet Magnolias, what are the names of the three lead actresses? Oh, do you want their character names or their real names? Their real names. Okay, so Heather Headley, uh, Brooke Elliott, and Joanna Swisher Garcia. Yes. Correct. Thank God. There was a second there where I was like, what if I forget? Was <laughs> That's wait. amazing. Yes. Good job. 100. So in, in conclusion, you get 100%. Yes. All right. Look at you, Look at you 100. So really when, when does the check arrive? When do I get the check? Oh. No. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have to ask Bob <laughs> This was so fun. Thank you so nice. much. Yes. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful to talk to you. Oh, I was appreciate so nice it. talking to you. Wait, wait, before you go, you have to tell us where everyone can find you and oh. where can everyone find Lost Bayou to okay. watch. Yeah, tell us um, all the things. That was going to be my question. Thank you, Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. I cut, I cut no, you off. No, 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 no. No, you didn't. I wasn't <laughs> speaking. I was thinking it. You read my brain. You read my brain. <laughs> you read my brain. Um, so I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, that's right. I think my handle is I am Hunter Burke, which is wow, original. Amazing. <laughs> that's what I came up with, guys. Perfect. <laughs> I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Lost By You, I believe, is available to stream on like iTunes or Amazon. I don't know if it's anywhere right now for free, but I think it's like 99 cents or a buck. And if you really okay. want to watch it, I'll Venmo you a buck. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll wait. That. Yeah. So will we. At Sammy Toots is my Venmo. Request it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Put it on blast. Yeah, Let's gas this it. girl up. Yeah, yeah. Gas me up. <laughs> Jason, can you tell everyone where to find us? <laughs> you can find us on all the things or on 
on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Survival Jobs Pod and on Facebook at Survival Jobs Podcast. And you That's can follow right. Samantha at Sammy Toots on Instagram and myself, Jason A. Coombs, on all the things as well. All the things. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Hunter. This was amazing. Thank you. You're the Hopefully, best. we'll meet IRL one of these days. I would like love that. Like the kids say. <laughs> like the kids say, IRL, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This is awesome. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.